Good afternoon. This is Michael Harding with On the Arts, that show that is dedicated to bringing all of those little secrets that we have here in Southern Utah about the arts to light. We want to make sure that you understand that there are a ton of opportunities to not only participate, but to observe all forms of art. I'm very happy to say that we have many guests who come back to join us here in the studio. Because it's such a great show. <laughs> Absolutely it is. And uh, we have a lot of fun chatting in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually are going to start something uh, like Saturday Night Live did. They have their five-time club yeah. uh, for the hosts. Well, we're going to actually have our three-time club begun today. Do I get a card? Uh, absolutely. Get a little closer to the microphone. Do I get a card and a jacket? Uh, absolutely. Do I and, sound okay? Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I'm having actually a little bit of trouble here. Try uh, talking again. Tell us who you are. Hello, hello. My name is Adam Mast. Gotcha. Film and Media Alliance of Southern Utah. You get Matt? We good? Ooh. Oh, we just got it. That's better. We had Sean Denovan, who... The man. Uh, <laughs> I actually have to give a big, big shout-out of thanks to... Uh, he has kept us going with On the Arts and kept us going through all sorts of technical difficulties, probably the biggest one being my lack of knowledge of some of the buttons on this But board. you know what, Mike? No one wanted to hear what I had to say anyway. It's all about you, my friend. <laughs> uh, I think not. Uh, anyway, we, we do have Adam Mast back here in the studio with us. And I'm going to start out with just a little story about Adam's shall we say, specialty in arts. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Basically. You my, said it, not me. <laughs> well, uh, my wife, Christina, and I, and Christina does send A her lovely apologies. lady. She's fantastic. Bum, fantastic she's actress. Uh, she's actually acting in a show up in Cedar City mm-hmm. right now with a theater company called Women of Will. And we are going to have some representatives from Women of Will here on the show next week. Awesome. But what it is is they're an all-female version of Shakespeare. Wow. So it's an all-female company, and... It, there's nothing really strange about that. Some people say, oh, my gosh, uh, that's never been done. Well, Shakespeare's very often been just a unisex uh, uh, venture, if right. you will. Back in Shakespeare's day, it was only men who played all the roles. Um, but now we've got women who want to play these roles. They want to experiment what will happen when you have a whole group of women put together these shows and see if there is a different perspective, if the characters remain exactly the same. And it's actually a wonderful, wonderful not even just experiment, a wonderful theatrical endeavor. Hey, well, as Danny Trejo said in Anchorman, women can do stuff now. <laughs> Absolutely. Am I right? <laughs> and, and I think it's a wonderful, wonderful that is, time. Again, that is not an Adam Mast quote. <laughs> that is from the 2004 comedy Anchorman. Thank you very much. <laughs> Quoting the movies, getting uh, into I the love specialty. Anchorman. It's one of my favorite comedies of the last two decades. You know, I, sure. I'm going to admit, I've never seen it all the way through. Oh, it's... <laughs> Look, I mean, you got your Will Ferrell people and you've got your not Will Ferrell people. I'm a Will Ferrell person. I personally like the man-child thing. I mean, he's made a couple of clunkers, but Anchorman is money. <laughs> Great movie. I think I, I am a Will Ferrell guy. Uh, I've liked Elf. everything I've seen him do. Elf is, is fantastic. Uh, one of the best, probably the best modern Christmas movie uh, for me, personally. I, no. I Unless you can name another one that's... I, I don't know what this says about my household. Uh-oh. But we always watch Elf mm-hmm. every Christmas and SpongeBob, the Christmas special. So. I'm not going to. My kids love that. They love it. I'm not going to deny you that one. Uh, yeah, one. it's it's for the kids. Right. Yeah, absolutely. No. We, for the kids. And the kids at heart. Am right. I right? <laughs> yes. Well, anyways, getting into what we're going to be talking about, which if you haven't guessed uh, at this point, is going to be film. Yes. And we're going to talk about not only films that are big name from Hollywood, uh, we're going to talk about some things that are happening there. I'd also be very interested in getting into 
the whole debate over Netflix versus Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And also we'll talk about local filmmaking, with the, which there's a very exciting event coming up, and I'd like to talk about that. That's the, Yeah, I'm very excited because the community thing is very close to my heart. As it is to yours. Absolutely. I mean, and and that stuff is, it's really important in communities like ours. Absolutely. So. I think everybody's finding that they have a voice. Yeah, for uh, sure. And not only the voices that they have, but the voices they can have. Mm-hmm. That's actually something I'd really like to talk about as far as the development of this event. And also, uh, thank you for letting me be a part of this event as you thank have. Thank you for, and, you know, without the artists, you know. Right. It all goes, synergy. It all <laughs> goes hand in hand. So. Well, anyways, my wife and I, this past weekend, were thinking about going to see a movie. Mm-hmm. And we thought we love going to the movies. We love just the experience of it. And I have to say, there wasn't anything I was interested in seeing. Did you see Peter uh, Peanut Butter Falcon? Uh, I have not, no. Shia LaBeouf? That's probably my favorite thing. Uh, you know, I've been so wrapped up in prepping the big event this weekend that the last couple of weeks, I've missed a lot of stuff. I haven't seen Gemini Man uh, that that J Lo movie Hustlers is getting a lot of good buzz. I haven't seen that. I did see Joker. I think that might be the last major film that I saw. And we so. are going to talk about Joker. Are we? Definitely. I. Mm. Th- that's one that my wife and I are very split on. Mm-hmm. Um, in seeing the Joker or, or seeing the ads for Joker, I think it looks like an amazing movie. Mm-hmm. I think it looks very well constructed. I think uh, the performance of Joaquin Phoenix. I expect nothing less than not only amazing, but what I've seen in the trailers. It, Pretty darn impressive acting all around. It's it's a movie good. that, and I have no problems with it bringing to light mental illness or mm-hmm. dealing with mental illness. I know there are a lot of people who say this isn't the time or that it promotes. I disagree with that. On the contrary, that. it is exactly the time. <laughs> I, I uh, agree with this. Joker, you know, is always a representation of the times. And so he's a Joker for the now. Right. Um, just like Heath Ledger was a, a Joker for, what, a 2005, whenever Dark Knight came out, kind of the, the whole... Uh, the, the terrorism thing, right. which is really, uh, a, well, that's always going to be a, a hot topic issue, but at the time especially. Right. So. Well, let's say with, with Joker, I agree that I think this is a great time for it. Uh, I personally think that with art in general, not just with film or not just with theater, I think the best time to bring it out is when it is an issue. Mm-hmm. It's it's a reflection to quote Hamlet, you know, hold the mirror as to her up to life. Absolutely. Um, I think that's what it's for. I have to say that I think I need to be in the right place to go see Joker. Yes, you do. Uh, I just find the topic very heavy right now when mm-hmm. we, we talk about mental illness and how the mentally ill are treated. Um, when we look at what is available funding-wise and treatment-wise, and even though it is DC Comics, isn't it? Yep, uh, DC. Even though it is something that is quote-unquote fantasy it's not something that I'm going to run out to see to be entertained no, necessarily. For, absolutely not. And it should be uh, it should be noted that um, Todd Phillips, who made The Hangover, his version of the Joker actually owes more to the likes of Taxi Driver. And I know you've heard it. You probably have read it. Everyone said it. It owes more to the likes of Taxi Driver and King of Comedy, which is a lesser known Scorsese movie, awesome movie, uh-huh. uh, than it does probably comic book movies. This isn't to say that it ditches the Batman mythos altogether. In fact, it does some really interesting things. Right. But it's more about the other stuff. It is definitely, uh, it's more about the now. Um, I liked the movie. I didn't love it. My big issue with Joker is I feel like it presents issues 
but I don't feel like Todd Phillips really goes deep and explores these issues, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Um, but I, I give the whole team props for thinking outside the box and trying to do something different. It's interesting. Each incarnation we've gotten from the Joker has been decidedly different. You know, Jack Nicholson dating back to Cesar Romero and the Adam West show. Right. Uh, Mark Hamill's vocal work. He's an amazing Joker. Heath Ledger, of course. Uh, We don't need to talk about Suicide Squad. I'm not a huge fan, not a total hater. I don't think that that movie was his fault. He put his own spin on it, kind of a steampunk, uh, totally different version of the role. And Joaquin Phoenix uh, brings his whole thing to it. So... Um, I like the film. I did not love it, but man, there is definitely brilliance in it. Definitely a lot of things I, I liked about it. My favorite aspect of it is the way it walks that, uh, it suggests that there's a fine line between heroism and villainy. Let's put it that way. I don't want to give too much away, but right. if Batman becomes a hero for pe- the people, you know, what is Joker exactly? Where right. does he fall into all of that? So the movie does some interesting things, and again, it does turn the Batman mythos on its head in a very interesting way. But again, I don't want to go into spoiler territory. I question the ending of this movie. Because, right. Uh, and, and I'm not, I'm, you may have heard things again. I don't want to ruin anything. Uh, but let's just say I liked the movie. I did. I didn't I love like- it. I think the production design is in- impeccable. It's incredible to look at the cinematography, the score, um, the, the art design, uh, and Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix's performance is just next to none. He's right. he's great. Um, as far as the, uh, the the Scorsese stuff, there's other stuff going on there too. The 70s and 80s uh, crime stuff. There's a lot of like William Friedkin and Sidney Lumet uh, influences in there as well. Heavy uh, 80s vibe, going, right? Which is all by design. Um, so again, liked it, didn't love it, but I definitely liked it. Well, you mentioned Martin Scorsese, mm-hmm. and there's all sorts of controversy going on right now, mm-hmm. isn't it, with, with Marvel or DC, or what's happening there? Uh, Marvel, he's he's made some comments. I think he uh, was a little bit, I don't want to say taken out of context, but I think, uh, and me included, I think a lot of people were quick to, a lot of knee-jerk reactions. People, I think, making a bigger deal out of it, really, maybe than it is. And right. he basically, in so many words, has kind of dismissed uh, the Marvel movies as not cinema, but rather theme park movies. Uh, personally, I just I don't agree with that statement at all. I think all film is art. I don't care how big the movie is. I don't care what the tone of the film is. I mean, and the, you're t- you're looking at a guy. I think Scorsese is probably he's probably our greatest living filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I know that's a bold statement. I'm a Spielberg guy. Spielberg will always be my guy. But in terms of artistry, I mean. I love Martin Scorsese. Right. So I love the guy, uh, but I <laughs> these comments, yeah, when I first heard it, I was like, this is nuts. I can't believe he'd make comments like that, especially because back in the day, you know, you've got a lot of purists out there who uh, blame the the cinema culture, the, the, the whole blockbuster explosion, which was born out of the 70s with movies like Jaws and Star Wars. Uh, a, a lot of people blame, which I, I don't know why you would use the word blame, but they blame Spielberg and George Lucas, you know, for the the modern blockbuster, as it were. So I feel like Scorsese sort of doing the same thing to Marvel movies. You know what I'm saying? I feel mm-hmm. like it's a similar similar thing going on. But 
doesn't matter. I, be- I bear no <laughs> ill will towards Martin Scorsese. I will sit through all three and a half hours of The Irishman, which is I I want to go see that in a theater, you know. Uh-huh. And that this is a good segue into the whole Netflix thing, um, because Scorsese's new film was funded by Netflix. Really, they bankrolled this movie because the studios. I I don't know. You know they 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 didn't they didn't want to plunk down the money. There's a lot of I don't know if you've read about this film. There's a um, a pretty uh, intricate de aging process that they use in this film. It stars mm-hmm. uh, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and Joe Pesci, and they play different ages mm-hmm. of their characters through decades in this movie. Um, and Scorsese's been wanting to make the movie for for years, but he had to wait for the technology to be right could be for him to do it. But these studios they passed. They're like. No, I don't, you know, it's a three and a half hour movie. That's three and a half hours in a movie theater. That's a couple showtimes less, you know, this this is less money. And then in walks, walks Netflix, sure, we'll give you $150 million or whatever it costs to make this movie. And so that's it. So I find Scorsese's comments very interesting because mm-hmm. he feels, he, he, in so many words, he's suggesting that in some ways Marvel is uh, destroying theatrical because this is what everyone's going to see, but he's made his new movie through Netflix. Some might argue that Netflix is a bigger threat to theatrical than Marvel. At least Marvel's keeping the theaters going. And, you know, we get, what, 20, 15 to 20 Marvel movies in a year, and there's over 400 domestic releases in a year. Right. I mean, come on. Like, I, I get it. There's been a seismic shift with films, but... I feel like there's room for it all. Um, and as, as far as the Netflix debate, I love Netflix. I absolutely love Netflix. I'm always going to be a, a, a movie theater guy. Uh, if you, you know, if, if you told me Rise of Skywalker, which we'll get to in a minute. Absolutely. If you told me Rise of Skywalker was coming to a streaming service two weeks after theatrical, I would still go see it in a theater. I love the communal experience. I, I love, yes, sometimes you get a, a obnoxious people sitting behind you who won't shut up during a movie. But that feeling you get sitting in a dark room with a bunch of strangers, there is absolutely nothing like it. This is right. why I, this goes back to my youth. It's stuck with me all my life. It's just, it's an experience I'll, I always want to have. That said, Netflix is taking chances. You know what I mean? Right. We're talking about Martin Scorsese, the guy that made Taxi Driver and Raging Bull, could not get funding for this movie. Netflix stepped up to the plate, said, here's your budget. Go make the movie you want to make. Um, and funny enough, he they, they were trying to do a, a, a theatrical release with this film, and some of the major chains, they're like, nope, we're not going to play it because there's that that whole window rule with theatrical you know, it's right. Uh, we're not going to show that your movie in a in a theater f- only for you to drop it on a streaming service a few weeks later. So, you know, it's an interesting debate. Um, I I love it all. Some of my favorite stuff right now is in on Netflix. Right. Uh, the, the best thing I've seen, be- visually speaking, better than any film that I've seen all year is on Netflix, and it's the the Dark Crystal series. Oh, yeah. Which mm-hmm. is insanely, it, I mean, it is enthralling. I mean, I can't imagine for a second that anyone that loved the film, I don't know if you're a fan. I, Absolutely I, I am, yeah. I can't imagine anyone that loved that movie would not love this series. It is just incredible world building. The puppetry is 
I mean, it is insane. It's the best puppet movie since Team America, World Police. <laughs> I know that's not saying a lot because there haven't been a lot of puppet movies, but I think you follow me. Great I stuff. Do. Highly I'm, recommended. Well, say, I, I'm a big fan of Netflix as well. For, mm-hmm. for a long time, I was divided. And I'm with you. I love going to the theater. But you know, Christina and I, we wanted to go to the theater, and there was nothing that drew us in. I do have to say, we watched Netflix. Yeah. We found some good stuff. And I know it's controversial to talk about uh, Kevin Spacey's opinion right mm-hmm. now. Um, but I do think he, he has a lot of great things to say. Above and beyond, let, let's get beyond any of his social issues right now or, or legal issues and mm-hmm. such. But he talked about how Netflix is actually a very exciting opportunity for writers, particularly, mm-hmm. where they can now start putting their attention on something that's 13 episodes Death, long. Long form. Yeah. For sure. Something Absolutely. That, that was going away with yeah. movies for a while. Yeah. Um, and you talk about Martin Scorsese, who has mm-hmm. a three and a half hour movie. He's breaking some ground again, of course. I would say. And uh, by the way, this is neither here nor there. Uh, through his, throughout his whole career, he'd never worked with Al Pacino before, which is very interesting. That is that odd. Al Pacino's finally in a Scorsese movie. Um, I'm so excited. I that that film is. Uh, I'm probably more excited for that film than anything else coming out in the near future. Including that uh, saga capper, which the we'll talk saga about in a minute. Capper. Well, let's go right to it. I say. We talk about it. So. We talk about Al Pacino, who mm-hmm. turned down a role in the Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, that's let's use that as our segue. Yeah, there you go. I um, just saw the final trailer mm-hmm. uh, for it, and my reaction is nostalgia-wise, I cannot wait to see it because I need to see the series end of the closed, closed up, and um, I enjoyed Rogue One a lot. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's one of my favorites. Even though arguably that's not better than the some might say it's the real prequel, the real New Hope prequel. I and in I, some ways. I can. I don't know if I'm in that camp, but I sure do visit that oh, camp. I like Revenge of the Sith quite a bit, but yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a hater. Uh, you know, I love the whole saga. I actually, when Force Awakens came out, a buddy of mine and I. Went down to Vegas and did the whole, the whole saga. Right, the, the, it was insane. And they did seven They're, films before Force Awakens, didn't they? Or was it more than that? Well, they, well, the original. There was uh, it was a New Hope. Uh, well, they showed the prequels and then they showed the three original and then Force Awakens. So it was oh, seven. so they didn't show Rogue One as part of that. No, no, because no, oh, okay. this this was pre Rogue One. Rogue oh, One, okay. Rogue One and Solo hadn't been released yet. Okay, got it. So and the, actually, this December there are theaters nationwide that are doing the whole saga, all nine films. It's like twenty three hours. And yes, I would go. We're not getting it locally, unfortunately. No theaters in Vegas have announced it. If they do, I will probably go. There's some theaters up north uh, that are doing it. So. I'm a Star Wars guy. I love it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go. Am I totally on board with the way Disney and Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy have, have carried things every step of the way? No. There's been missteps, you know, um, but I'm still a fan. I'm I'm a little torn on the trailer. The first time mm-hmm. I watched that, I've watched that trailer about a dozen times now. I can't help it. Um, but when I first watched it, I wasn't overwhelmed. Um, there were things about it where maybe I just maybe my expectations are lowered because of everything that's going on. You mm-hmm. know, um, be it Last Jedi, which I'm again I'm not a hater. I don't think it's a great movie. I'm a hater. Yeah. I'll tell you. I, I get I get why fans hate it. Certainly, I I get why some people love the the subversive nature of it. But I understand why the fans feel like no, you know, Ryan Johnson is betraying everything that we love about this. And I accept that, too, but I think there's great things in it. I don't think it's mm-hmm. perfect, but I definitely think there are things in it that I like. 
Um, it's very interesting, though. To I don't know how Abrams is going to close this out. I have no idea. That's what I'm really curious about. It's a lot of pressure. How do you close out a saga like yeah, this? Yeah, it's not just these last two films. It's it's all these films. I was uh, last night. Uh, we were actually working on some stuff for the event this weekend, and uh, the guys I was working with there are a couple of really big Star Wars fans, and we were all commenting on certain elements in this new trailer that we felt like were not earned. Like there's a moment in that uh, that trailer where three PO. I know what you're talking about when he says. I think it's okay to say it because it's in, in the trailer. Yeah, it's not a spoiler. He, he's just asked, what are you doing? And he says, I, I'm looking at my friends for the last time. Yeah, and I, and I feel like it's supposed to be this bigger moment than it actually right. is. I, I don't know. Is it, it doesn't, maybe it doesn't have the weight of the original trilogy. Like mm-hmm. in three three films, you know, with the, that original trilogy, you know, Han, Luke, Leia, Chewie, all these characters. I don't know. There was something, it would have felt more earned in that. Right. Maybe it's all these years between now and then. Maybe it's oversaturated. We've had like five, six Star Wars movies in the past, whatever, you know, less than a decade. Um, I think a lot of things factor into that. But, yeah, I feel like that's a moment that feels weird, partly because C-3PO has hardly even been in these new movies. That's probably a big part of it. So, well, I remember I in know. it was Return Nitpicking. of the Jedi. No, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what you're talking about the characters becoming saturated, satiated. I can't remember exactly yeah. what you said there. But uh, Han has a moment that I think is wonderful acting from Harrison Ford. Now I need to preface this with I don't think Harrison Ford is a great actor. I think he's great at being Harrison Ford on film, and he sells. I think a great he's a film. great actor. Really? Oh, we're going to go at it here. We'll talk about it in a second. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you why I think he's a great actor. But continue. I, just, I I think he's good at being Harrison Ford. Okay. But I uh, he has that line where he's looking at the Millennium Falcon, and uh, Lando Calrissian is about to fly off in it. Uh, it's before he leads the rebels to the moon of Endor. Mm-hmm. I'm showing where I stand on uh, Star Wars here. But he, uh, Princess Leia asks him, what's wrong? And he says, I just feel it's the last time I'm going to see her. Yeah. And, uh, you know, moving. talking about the Millennium Falcon. And it seems like this is kind of trying to be but that it's moment. it's so earned in that. Yeah. You, the Millennium Falcon has been to hell and back. And right. it's like, I mean, it, it just feels, it feels really earned. Uh, Harrison Ford. Yeah, let's talk. If he's listening, Harrison, I'm going to be real honest here. You got your actors and you got your movie stars. And I I get that. And Mm -hmm. I I guess you could put Harrison Ford in the movie star camp, Mm -hmm. Um, which is but I think uh, charisma should goes a long way. I think Mm -hmm. it I think it I think it counts. Uh, you got guys like you could say the same thing about guys like Cary Grant or Humphrey Bogart. These Mm -hmm. guys were movie stars of their time. That doesn't make them less of an actor, I, I don't think. Um, they were I, film stars. They were, and yeah. I think I think Harrison Ford brings a lot more to the table than some people are 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 willing to uh, maybe give him credit for. That he's just a like a I don't know an empathy machine. I mean, think about the a movie like The Fugitive, uh-huh. which by the way that's that's uh, playing locally tomorrow. There's, oh there's god, a I wasn't aware. Film series over at Megaplex, uh-huh. um, up at Pineview Ten. There's two showings tomorrow, and I'm gonna go. Um, that movie does not work if you are not willing to follow him. And right. there is just something about the way he plays that. Mm-hmm. Uh, some things you can't teach. Some things come natural. And I think Harrison Ford's one of those guys. This is to say nothing of, uh, I mean, you go back to the early days of his career, um, everything, Blade Runner, of course, mm-hmm. but uh, he, Mosquito Coast. Have you seen yeah. Mosquito mm-hmm. Coast? Yes. Amazing. Perf- I mean, that is that's not a movie star. That's a performance. I feel mm-hmm. like he 
sheds a lot of what people I can agree with associate that. I think, with Harrison yeah. Ford. Even something like, even though it's not totally beloved, a movie like Regarding Henry, which mm-hmm. is actually a... I didn't like that movie. Do you know what's interesting? You. What's that? Uh, you may not know this. Do you know who wrote that movie? No. Do you know who wrote the screenplay? No. This is very interesting. That was the uh, screenwriting debut of J.J. Abrams. Was it really? Yeah, which is interesting because Harrison Ford essentially helped get him that gig. He took that script to Mike Nichols and said, let's make this movie. I now did not these, know yeah, this. Now all these years later, J.J. knocks on Harrison's door and says, hey, I know you don't like Han Solo, but would you play him again? <laughs> well, and so, he got his wish. He did get his. Yeah, got he, what he, he wanted got his wish. Have. He got his wish. And we didn't even get to see him with Luke and Leia. Right. Again, which really, if I have, that's my biggest gripe with this new series. Well, we got we to see Leia just a little bit. We did, but I wanted to see Luke, Leia, and Han together again. Right. And we didn't get that. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, uh, you know, that's a, a fight for another time, right. I guess. Uh, point being, yes. I love Harrison Ford. Uh-huh. I think I think that there's uh, he's given some really amazing performances. His work in Blade Runner the last Blade Runner film. Oh yeah, okay, was that was incredible. good. Incredible. Like he's in that movie. It's two hours and forty-five minutes long. He's in that movie maybe forty minutes of screen time. He packs a a bigger emotional punch in that limited amount of screen time than he did in all of the first movie. Which mm-hmm. I think the original Blade Runner is an absolute classic. But it's also a very cold movie. Right. It's not. It's a hard movie to like because it's just a. It is a very cold, but it's so amazing. This new one, I feel like had a lot more emotion. I mm-hmm. felt emotionally pulled in. By I think it. we're in the same camp of that. Uh, I I thought Blade Runner was fun because I was a kid mm-hmm. when I saw it, and it was one of those the popcorn movies. You know, I, you go and you shovel down that popcorn so while you're walking. It, it, it was a great. Beautiful movie. And the second Blade Runner, I was actually prepared to be disappointed, mm-hmm. just because of my experience with the first. Uh, having so much fun with it. And I'm with you. I was touched by the yeah. second one. I was really drawn in and really, the, the opening sequence mm-hmm. really got me. And yeah. it, it kept me through the whole thing. Well, and there's a thing about this kind of subtext about, um, you know, parenthood. Again, again, I don't want to ruin too much about what that movie is, but there's a really cool sort of father-son dynamic going on between Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford in that movie. But then the movie goes into this thing is that Harrison Ford's care, that Deckard might actually have a child. Right. All that stuff goes um, really, well, really cool. With a, cool, it, w- cool without movie. ruining anything, with the image of Sean Young, mm-hmm. uh, who, who is brought back in, in, a, in a way. Some of the coolest yeah. de-aging they had somebody that resembled her and they did some touch up, mm-hmm. you know, and th- this is uh, back to uh, the Irishman. You know, there's been some criticism based on the trailers if this de-aging thing is going to work. Right. Um, I say if Scorsese's pulling us in. Yeah. I mean, it could be distracting, but if he's getting you and he's pulling you in, that's going to be enough for me. Uh, but if they can get it like they got that. Right. Like I'm totally on board. Like, I'm, I'm really excited for that movie. Well, it, it was an interesting thing. We talk about de-aging and trying to get the image of actors when they were younger. Mm-hmm. Have you seen El Camino on Netflix? Yeah, the, I was the just talking Bad? to my friend about that on the way over to the show. They didn't even make an attempt to uh, make some of those actors look like they did. They just lived in it. They're like, let's just give them the, sp- let's give them the spirit of the thing. Right. The physicality of it is not, not important. You know— that stuff didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. I I feel like kind of alone. I I didn't love it. I, I we are on the same page. I I, I did not like uh, it either. Man, but, I don't know. I didn't hate it. I get it. It's a lot of baggage, a lot to live up to. But the thing is, uh, 
Better Call or Better Call Saul is so good. It's a wonderful it's, show. It's it's one of the great spinoff shows of all time. I, the, I would, the character of Saul Goodman, uh, it's better uh, than the arc of Walter White. I think in, in some overall. way, in some ways, character wise, it's mm-hmm. a much more intric- a much more intricate show. Much, uh, uh, it's multi layered, much deeper. Like I love Breaking Bad. Nothing more intense than Breaking Bad. Right. It's got sort of a pulpy undercurrent in it, and I feel like Better Call Saul goes deeper. With those characters. Right. I know. buy the characters mm-hmm. in Better Call Saul. Sometimes in Breaking Bad, I thought it was wonderfully intense. Mm-hmm. Wonderfully intense. I think it's one of the top five greatest shows of all time. It's a, I, lo- I love it. Better Call Saul gets deeper to the point where I believe them. I mean, sometimes Walter White would do something, and part of the joy of Breaking Bad and the intensity mm-hmm. was when he would do something. You'd say, oh, my How did gosh, he get out of it? How did he get yeah, there? That, How those, did he get out? That writer's room, there's just a bunch of geniuses. Vince yeah. Gilligan uh, is... That that's the 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 key to that show's success is how the heck are these guys going to get out of this? It's so good. And I mean, when's the last time you saw a series finale that really, like, you felt just was earned every step of the way? It's very rare because right. of show. Again, it creates baggage for itself. If it's a super popular show and it builds and it builds and it builds, and it's like, how are you going to end this? And Breaking Bad is the first show in a long time where I felt like, oh, there was. This feels like there was a master plan. Like right. it feels like they kind of maybe they were making some things up along the way, but that it it had an arc. It knew they where knew it was where going. it was going. Yeah, with Lost, it felt like oh, well, they were lost. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's characters in here that you know they talk about. Lindelof and, and Abrams talk about all the time how there's certain characters they brought into that show that were never meant to be mainstays, and all of a sudden here they are at the end of the show. They they become fan favorites, and then they figure out a way. Right. To keep that character going and so forth. Well, I got to wonder with the show Arrested Development, mm-hmm. it is so clever. I'm embarrassed. And, I've never. Oh, my word. Oh, my. I'm, never, I'm going to tell you, nod your head. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm sure everyone turned off the radio just barely. <laughs> I, I love Bateman. I love Ron Howard. I love everyone involved in that show. It's just one of those weird things. I, I just never, I never watched. It's not because I didn't want to. It's mm-hmm. just a. Especially now, streaming. There's so much content right out there. You know, I only saw the first season of Game of Thrones. Can you believe that? It, you know, I it's, I can't I'm believe embarrassed it. I've only gotten it, to the but... beginning of the third season, and that was oh gosh, a few months ago. Mm-hmm. I even got there. Yeah. Um, not that it was bad. I thought it was wonderful. It's just like you're saying, not mm-hmm. enough time for all that content. Right. And I was drawn in by other things. Mm-hmm. Well, let me do a shift here because we're about uh, midway we through are. the show at it's this so point. It's so fun. Every time I come on here, it's just kind of fun to talk. Well, I love movies. that you, you know what you're talking about. Well, I don't. I just like to talk to people about it. Right. You know, people know me. They know that I, I've been writing for The Independent for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, I Gosh, going on in 25 years or something like that. Um, but even though I write reviews and stuff, I've never, ever, like, fancied myself a critic. I just am a guy that goes to the movies and likes to talk about it. Right. I try to come from a different place. And I get it. Being on the other side and helping people make movies and organizing these events and stuff like that, I don't want to bash on someone else's art. Sometimes I, I actually hate it. Like, there's a certain joy and pleasure you take in writing a negative review, but the other part of me is like, I get it. Blood, sweat, and tears. Right. When in t- it goes into this thing. It's when you're a part of it, you see it. When you're on the other side, y- you know, you see what goes into it. 
Right. And uh, it doesn't, I don't know, it's all subjective. Everyone has, everyone's a critic, right, Mike? Absolutely. Isn't everyone a critic? Yes. So, there to you to have some it. level. Yeah. But that's actually a perfect segue mm-hmm. into what I'd like to talk about. And that's, of course, the gorilla event uh, that's going to take place. Now, this goes all the way back. I'm tying this all the way back to the beginning of the, uh, the show. Yeah. When Christina and I didn't go to the movies, what we did is we stayed home. We were both asked to judge at uh, this coming okay. weekend's event. Let's let, re- really quickly. Let, yes, the, the Hardings are amazing, and they have jumped on board, and they're judges. Let's be let's let's tread lightly in terms of what you say about the absolutely the event Saturday, and we don't want anyone to know what you guys like. But I, I can't oh, think oh, you guys I'm, enough for. I'm doing not going to talk specifics yeah. at all. Yeah. Uh, because there are, it's a joy. You mentioned earlier the community. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, Christina and I, we've been involved in the theater community for quite a while uh, in various levels, the music community uh, at various levels, all over the country, not yeah. only here. And we were introduced to a wonderful community, and that's the local filmmaking community. Yeah. Uh, the first time we judged, I think that was, what, about a year and a half ago mm-hmm. or so? Yeah. And I had heard of a lot of these people. Sheldon Demke, I'll give right. him a, a, a wonderful shout-out. I think he's a fantastic actor. I tried actor. to get him to come in today. He I was would, busy. I want to chat with this guy because I think he'd be great on stage, too. Uh, he's He was in Christmas Story. He did uh-huh. the Shakespeare in, a park, in the Park, Much Ado About Gotcha. The, the recent one, mm-hmm. the uh, in Santa Clara. Yeah, he was in, he was in that. Fabulous. High-energy dude. Really fun. He's got uh, a great instinct. Affable. Yeah, he really does. He's... He's terrific. He made a film for Gorilla. You guys watched uh, it. I do. I yeah. know of the film. Uh, yes, I, I, I've watched all of them. <laughs> yes, uh, you have. And, and I do want to let you know, uh, I enjoy it all yeah. across the board. And what's wonderful is talking about that community. Everybody gets together. Everybody can make a film. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful to see, regardless of experience, regardless of equipment that people have, there is a passion and there's a heart in each one of these. You know what, Michael? It all starts with story. That's, uh-huh. that's you know, I mean, I know different people get different things out of it when they're making art that they, they all, everyone kind of has their own go-to thing. For me, I'm a story guy. It's my favorite aspect of it. It all starts with that. Right. And, and I've had friendly banter with a lot of the filmmakers. Oh, we got to shoot on the best camera. And I'm, I'm like, it doesn't matter. Shoot this thing with your phone. If you engage the audience and you get that right story mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you we've been doing gorilla so horror fest has been going on here since 2002 i've right. been doing that for a long time it's the first few years we did it it started off as you know horror movies we had live music get people out to watch you know a couple of horror classics and so forth in 2005 we brought the gorilla uh filmmaking challenge back which was kind of it, it sort of went on hiatus. These other guys who ran the Eclipse Film Festival in the early 2000s did it for one year, and then they they ended up going to uh, art school in mm-hmm. L.A. And uh, I remember being taken aback by that, and I just, I loved it. And they, insp- they see, everyone, it all comes full circle. You know, we're inspired by others. They inspired me to kind of take that ball and run with it and bring it back. So... You know, cut to all these years later. I totally lost my train of thought. Where was I going with this? <laughs> We're talking about the community um, and getting together, making the community these films. getting story. Yeah, exactly. And 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 the whole the whole, the story being the meat of it. But anyway, yeah. I mean, you people are shooting things with their phone. I can't in the, in the fifteen years or whatever that we've been doing this. It's crazy how far things have come. I mean, right. We used to. Uh, uh, there was a time where we couldn't even, you know, we were trying to burn them on to a, a DVD. We'd, we'd have everyone burn their own movie and bring it in and we'd play them all separately. And now we've evolved. This week we're doing something we've never done. The whole 
program's going to be presented uh, as DCP. It's all digital. We're doing uh-huh. just constantly doing things. We've I say uh huh knowledgeably. Yeah. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. I'm not a techie. Right. I, I'm I'm not a technical guy. You know, when you collaborate, you work with, you put good people around you. It's it's that simple. Right. You know, you put good people around you, and there's so many, so many great people, and in the area, and and through Gorilla and the Horror Fest events and some of these other things that that we've, you know, been trying to do in the community, we brought all these people together, and that's always always the goal. And I'm always telling everyone, with uh, Film and Media Alliance of Southern Utah, we started that. It's just a, a nonprofit we put together a couple of years ago. And, and basically the mission statement is to inspire and encourage, you know, local filmmakers, right. story, you know, storytellers. And we're trying to branch out. We did uh, Desertscape International Film Festival. We actually did, you know, we've got Doc Utah, Red Rock Film Festival, several fe- festivals that are kind of in the area, but, and we wanted to do our own. And it was, it was an incredible first year. We're going to do year two. Uh, coming up here in June, it'll be five days uh, over at the Electric Theater, bringing in films from all around the world. Um, uh, we had people from Ukraine here. Like mm-hmm. it, it was just, it was such a magical experience just getting to talk to these people, and and it was great for the the local filmmakers, novices, and even people that have been doing it for a while because they, you know, it's just a great way to bring everyone together. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's you know, Desertscape is this this crazy vision that John Pugh and I, or he, he helped me start the uh, FMASU, um, and he had been pushing me for a long time. He's, he's like, we should do an actual film festival. We right. should bring a real film festival here. And uh, to his great credit, he twisted my arm, we did it, and it was amazing. Gorilla was always meant as sort of the, the stepping stone. Like, we, we want it to be for all ages and all skill sets, Obviously, we get novices all the time. You've watched the films. We mm-hmm. had a record-breaking 28 movies for this one. They're right. f- five minutes each. A nice mix of people who have been doing it for a while, people who have never done it. I mean, that's that's the thing. You want to give people a, a place, a platform where they can do this, especially for people that have never done it. Well, I do want to throw in here that uh, in getting to know this community, and not just you know Sheldon Demke, you got a nice shout out there, Sheldon, mm-hmm. but you know Jessica Staples and Dan Falks oh, and and uh, John Pugh and Dean Jones, all, all of mm-hmm. these wonderful Fabulous. people. What's really cool is I'm starting to be able to see people's signatures <laughs> around there, having watched these people films. People have a style, yeah, yeah, and it, it, it's so much fun to watch. Not only mm-hmm. people grow in their styles, and again, I'm coming from a place of I understand story, I understand acting, but I'm mm-hmm. not a technical movie maker. Um, Trey Patterson. I can recognize his films in a heartbeat. He's got a style. He's such an old soul. I love that guy. Yeah. He, he's, uh, I wanted to mention um, that he he's doing a, he's been shooting a film that he, it's a, a, a story, but it's kind of an old fashioned love story with a magician at the uh-huh. heart of it. And I was an extra in it. They've been working really hard on it. Dan Fowkes is actually shooting it. Mm-hmm. And you got Dan Fowkes uh, is doing this thing out in Kayenta. Uh, right. he, he made this film. Started off as a short, swelled into a feature. It's, it's the a, World War II drama, isn't and it? And it looks, I, I've just seen the trailer, some footage. He let me read the script early on, mm-hmm. like an early incarnation of it. Really great. You got guys like Jeff Sanders. He made a feature called Lay Me Down to Sleep that was really well received at Desertscape. Very dark. You, mm-hmm. you think Joker was dark? <laughs> I mean, this movie is so, so dark. Joker's a lighthearted comedy yeah. compared to this. <laughs> exactly. You got guys like Matt Black here mm-hmm. at DSU who's doing a really amazing documentary about homeschool, homeschooling. Right. Um, I mean, it's insane how many people how many people are doing things here. And, and our goal with FMASU was... 
I, I always kind of envisioned it as sort of like the film equivalent of community theater. I know I've said that yeah. before. Mm-hmm. That's kind I think of that's what it is. Really. I mean, that's what we're trying to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're only, we're, FMASU is still, even though we've been doing events for all these years, FMASU as a nonprofit is still in its infancy. Mm-hmm. We've only been doing it a couple of years, but I mean, we're, we're really trying to branch out. We're in January. We're, um, we're teaming up with, uh, this movie club, which is this awesome Facebook. Uh, it's sort of a, it's a, it's just what it sounds like. It's a film club. They watch films. Right. They analyze films. It's uh, headed by Bo Stuckey and Chris Bringhurst. Um, and Bo is kind of helping us spearhead this classic film series that we're hoping to start in January um, at the Electric Theater. It's going to be amazing. It probably a we're we're looking to do it for fifty two weeks. And right. It'll be classic. Uh, classic Are there that films. many classic movies? No. Well, yeah. and that and that's a whole other debate. That was what a is, joke, by the way. I, what is a classic? I mean. Yeah. You have movies that are well received, like, uh, you know, His Girl Friday. But mm-hmm. is that a classic, or do you consider something like Citizen Kane a classic? Casablanca, a Gone with the Wind, a classic. What is it? Yeah, I mean, to me, Raiders of the Lost Ark is a classic. It just it depends on you know where the movie falls. Despite a lot of having Harrison Ford, no, I'm kidding. Totally yeah, exactly. Kidding. He's so good in that role. He, he is. Well, that's I have to admit, so good. J- just to bring that up, and then we'll let it go again. Yeah. Um, yeah, Harrison Ford is fantastic as Harrison Ford, and he makes movies that way. Yeah, I mean, makes the movies. That's I we got a whole nother thing. Every man. But the classic film series is uh, it's picking up traction. We're really excited about it. Um, Bo has been busting his butt, like getting people excited. And the neat thing about that is it's free. It's going to be entertaining, but it's going to be super educational. We can get people in there to talk about film, keep the spirit, you know, of film history alive. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's another thing that we want to want to do. Um, you know, keeping that that whole thing alive, and then on a local level. Obviously, Gorilla, again, is the stepping stone. We have Southern Utah's uh, Filmmaker Spotlight, which was designed to basically, that's sort of like the mid-tier. We curate uh, films that are made in the state, maybe Mm -hmm. by filmmakers that have been trying to get film festival play, but they're not quite there yet, but they're not beginner. You know, we're trying to give them a platform. Well, addressing that, I mentioned the community that's so wonderful that Christine and I were introduced to. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is a fun little community, I'll tell it you. Is. In the movie theater, we just walked into this warm family the yeah. first time that we uh, we judged. Mm-hmm. And you just mentioned beginners or intermediate. What would you say the percentages of people who are involved with well, this who are trained? Well, this who... is this is what makes Gorilla interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. you have your novices, people that really want to get their feet wet and do this for a first time, and it's a great opportunity for them because we're tr- we, you know we try to help everybody uh, as a community and give if they're looking for resources, we try to help them get them get what they need. But then you might have somebody that's more on their way. I mean, Dan Fouks is he's getting professional acting gigs, mm-hmm. you know, and he's always jumping in and helping come in and he's in a gorilla short uh um uh, uh austin shadowwald made a film called greg yes and, uh-huh. and, uh, and dan's in that um he helped us with some other stuff that we're we're doing at the event um i don't know what the percentage is but i like that you, you've got your novices you've got your people who've been doing it for a while but they they'll come and do a gorilla short just to keep them the creative juices flowing right if you got other people too that uh, maybe they took a shot at it. They tried to do it professionally, and it didn't happen. But they want that to be part of their lives, and this gives like fills a void. Mm-hmm. I know I feel like that all the time. I'm 50 years old, and sometimes I feel like 
I don't know if this is going to happen, but I'm still writing reviews for The Independent. We're still doing Cinemas. We're still doing these events. And you are in some well, of we these love films. It. Yeah. yeah, I'm in a few. We love it so much. And I know that some people might perceive Gorilla maybe as, oh, no one's going to take this seriously. These These movies are like just for fun. And in some cases that might be true, but people have to understand that there is good that comes out of this. Um, I mean, you learn just there's that natural innate thing and you're put in pressure situations and you're problem solving. This, this thing does teach you things. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're not purporting to be, you know, DSU film school. We're teaching in a different way. But one mm -hmm. of the coolest things that to me is when some filmmakers been doing a few gorilla shorts and then they, they disappear. They don't do them anymore. And I feel bad because I want people to keep doing them because it's fun. And I, I love that family atmosphere but I'm also like, oh, this is so cool. Like they came in and did a gorilla short and now they're on their way. They're going right. to do something um, professional. So anyway, we're trying to do different tiers. We're trying to do gorilla, which is, yes, it's for novices, but other people can take part as well. In fact, we welcome that. And then sort of a mid-tier, which is the the spotlight, which right. we curate uh, with mostly Utah artists. We, we do welcome people outside, but we really want to give a platform for local artists, especially theatrical, because YouTube and Vimeo and all that stuff, it's awesome, but it's not the same. Being right. able to share that with, you know, with an audience. And then, of course, Desertscape, which is kind of the the creme de la creme of, you know, the, the big thing. And next in 2020, we're going to start a youth filmmaking mentorship. Fantastic. Uh, because we really do. We want to we if kids are looking for a place to do this. I mean, they do the the theater the community theater does mm -hmm. that and we want to do the same thing for the for the kids so yeah a lot of huge stuff on well, the horizon ultimately what i hope people are hearing out here is that they shouldn't shy away just because of lack of experience heck no um and let's just say hypothetically i'm asking for a friend mm -hmm. say somebody wanted to make a film mm -hmm. in one of these things what would you do? You might have a story mm -hmm. in your mind. Uh, you might have an image that you think would be great to capture on film, but you just don't know what you're doing. What do you do to get involved? Sometimes, I know this sounds crazy, sometimes you just got to do it. Throw uh -huh. caution to the wind and do it. I mean, guys like Robert Rodriguez, he's the ultimate maverick filmmaker. Stop right. talking about it. Do it. Go, if you have a question, go and ask somebody. I mean, we are trying to create this, this whole network. Uh, we've got a website, fmasu.com. We've got a Facebook page. We've got a gorilla Facebook page. We're always, if anyone ever wants to send a script our way or ask questions, we just love it. We don't think, and we don't think we're better than anybody else or any, we just That's what I love to... about the community. We were, it, Christine and I were totally welcomed, and I watched people submit their first film. Yeah. And you know what? Even if maybe it was rough around the edges, mm -hmm. maybe sometimes they were really surprising to be yeah. a first film, but there was a passion Oh, and yeah. everybody, yeah. I couldn't believe everybody applauded everybody else yeah. and was genuinely supportive. And you've seen the new batch, and you yeah. know that there's a couple of movies in there. Watching those with a 200-strong audience is going to be a kick in the pants. It's going to be completely different than you guys judging and watching those movies on your own. We right. wanted to give the judges, I should mention, we just wanted to let the judges watch ahead of time so they could really let it percolate 
and think about it. And, you know, and the final about, decision isn't made no. beforehand. We have an idea. Yeah. Of course. We'll we want like, you guys to come to the table, come to the event. Mm-hmm. There's one film that we're showing. I mentioned it. Yeah, um, that we that we haven't seen yet. No, and the reason you haven't seen it is, I'm just going to let, this is an exclusive. This is an on the arts exclusive. Woo-hoo. We're terrified because we've never done anything like this. There's a pair of filmmakers, um, Brandon Tippett's and Lonnie Black. Mm-hmm. They're the Wiley veterans. They have done a film for every gorilla challenge dating back to 2005. We right. do them for uh, summer, Halloween, and then we do a big Christmas event, a charity event, which uh, people can read about that later. We'll be talking about it at the event uh, this weekend, actually. It's really amazing. Um, they, I approached them and uh, told them that there was something I always wanted to see happen, and I pushed them and we figured it out, but their film is actually in 3D. Really? Yeah, so we actually have 3D content, which is intense and mm-hmm. very nerve-wracking because there's there's things. In fact, we're not not just their film. We went and did some an intro and a couple of other things that are going to open the event uh, in 3D. There's probably 15 to 18 minutes of 3D content. Very nice. Um, this is why we're going DCP, the digital route. You have to to be able to you know, make the real D 3D glasses thing work. Right. So if anyone's listening... Yeah, if you've been to these these events, this one's going to be special, provided we run into no technical snafus, <laughs> which I'm not going to lie. I'm, it's been a very intense few weeks, right. like, trying to, like, put these things together. And we want, you know, this is not just, this is about the filmmakers, of course, but it's also about the audience. We want attendees to come to this. We want them to have a good time, you know. We've really put a lot into this through the good graces of, you know, we've got uh, just love the city of St. George and Washington County. Like, um, you know, the city has been so kind to us. You know, Mayor Pike has been to a couple of events. They've all, all been really supportive. And we are just trying to grow this thing uh-huh. and, and, and get people, you know, get it bigger. And we just want, again, we want it to be the uh, film equivalent of community theater. We're running out of time, aren't we? But, uh, we sure are. We're well, not quite there. but I, I really, yeah. if you're cool with it, I did want to, can we talk a little bit about the event on Saturday? Yeah, like, but that s- was actually my next question okay. of what are the details? <laughs> and I- I- if you want to know what's going on, uh, you can check us out. You can see what we look like if you if you dare. Uh, you can see what we look like by going to, on Facebook, Radio St. George. This is being not only broadcast live right we'll now. archive these bad boys. <laughs> Absolutely. We yeah. archive them. And we do actually post them on our On the Arts Facebook page. Yeah. Um, and I do need to apologize. Last week we had a wonderful guest, Heidi I, Anderson. I love her. And, oh, she was fantastic. A great talk about being an artist and what it meant to her to yeah, be an artist. inspirational. And uh, we had some technical glitches, and we thought we had lost everything uh, as far as the archive. But I'm happy to say uh, we were able to salvage the audio. So uh, her interview is online uh, on Facebook on the On the Arts page. You can get the entire interview, and I highly recommend it. She was tremendously inspiring. She's a class act, and what, I mean, everything she's going through, like, uh, I get teary-eyed. That's That's okay. It's it's sad to me. Um, Dealing with cancer. Yeah, it's really awful. But um, it was one of the most no expletives on this show, but <laughs> right. blank cancer. That's right. what I'm going to say. That's good. We'll make um, a bumper sticker on the arts, blank cancer. Yeah, exactly. But you, you can check us out video. We do have that running right now. Uh, it is being archived on the Facebook Radio St. George page, and the video will be posted on On the Arts, as well as going to YouTube. You can just nice. type in On the Arts with Michael and Christina Harding, and even type in Adam Mast, and you'll get this interview. The Hardings, out. king of all media. Oh, so, yes. So I did want to say, just in regard to the event, 
this week. It, it's Horror Fest. We're mm-hmm. calling it Horror Fest, A Nightmare on Main Street. Right. We are paying tribute to two iconic entertainments uh, in this event. Uh, one is obviously a nightmare, a nightmare on Elm Street, which is celebrating its 35th anniversary next month. Uh-huh. The other is uh, the greatest TV series of all time, in my humble opinion, The Twilight Zone, is yes. celebrating 60 years. So we try to figure out a way to bring these two things together, and you know, we gave a theme to the filmmakers, which was it was all a bad, it was just a bad dream. That was the theme. All the filmmakers had to adhere. We didn't even mention that. that no, we, not at all. There is a theme for each one right, of these we, we give a theme and then a limited amount of time for these filmmakers to go make their short. For this one, we also, they had to use one of three lines of dialogue. It was either, um, you want to see something really scary, you're about to enter another dimension. This third line, that's the one I want to talk it's about. It's a cookbook. Right. Uh, right. So those three lines are all obviously all inspired by Twilight Zone. And yeah, I wanted to ask, is it the uh, To Serve Man? Absolutely. It's came To from. Serve Man. I absolutely love it. And you'll be seeing uh, some love towards that specific episode uh, at the show this weekend. Uh, so anyway, that's what inspired it. So we'll we'll show the 28 films. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have a jack-o'-lantern contest. We're not ha- allowing carving on the premises, so don't bring your <laughs> knives. Bring Please bring, bring your jack-o'-lanterns. We're going to have some cool prizes, and please come in your Halloween best. We want everyone to dress up. This is It's going to be an absolute blast. So we'll show the 28 gorilla shorts, and then we'll give the awards and the prizes, and then we're going to close out with a 35th anniversary screening of Elm Street, which in addition to you know introducing the world to Freddy Krueger, also introduced the world to a little actor known Johnny Depp, which yes. a, a lot of people don't realize Johnny Depp's in that movie. So that's very cool. It's only ten bucks. Um, we have VIP tickets mm-hmm. as well, and you can get tickets at the door. Right, you can get them at the door, uh-huh. or you can go to fmasu.com and you can get them now. If if people really j- just want to go to Elm Street, we encourage that. That's only five dollars at the door, but come to the whole thing. We're hoping to sell the thing out. And really quickly before we part ways, um, I did want to give a shout out. I was just going to name, is it cool if I name the films we're showing? Absolutely. Totally. Uh, Cause I, I, I love these filmmakers with every fiber of my being. I think anytime anyone makes a movie, it's an accomplishment in of itself. And the, the fact that we had 31 people sign up, 28 people finish. Uh-huh. That is just, I, I'm, can't even believe it. And I'm going to, as a judge, I I hope this isn't inappropriate. I'm going to say I enjoyed every single one of them. Oh, every single one of them. I, yeah, I, I just can't say enough nice things about these people, even though they, it's probably not a smart move for to give me a cameo because I ruined people's <laughs> art. Don't put me in your movies. Um, so let's, let's go through this list really quick. So Alrighty. we have Welcome to My Nightmare, which is directed by Lonnie Black and Brandon Tippett, our Wiley veterans. Uh, we have Serafina's Holiday, which was directed by Vanessa Hunt. We have Nocturnal Cravings, which was directed by Rebecca Jackson. We have Sugar Bottom. I love that title. I'm enamored <laughs> by that title. Uh, Mike Wiest directed that one. Um, the The Tunnel, directed by Michael Yorg. I think I got his, I believe it's I-O-R-G. I don't want to screw up names here. Um, Suicidal, directed by Rich Wealthy, a terrific director and a great actor as well. Um, Greg, directed by Austin Shadowald. I hope I didn't butcher your name, Austin. Love you, man. Um, The Strangerer, directed by James Durham. Uh, What else do we have here? We have uh, Ending the Nightmare, directed by Hannah Cass. Grandma, directed by your your favorite, Sheldon Demke. (laughs) Who did not (laughs) Um, disappoint. (laughs) Right. Um, 
Uh, we got Hashtag Twinked, directed by Mark Brasich. Uh, Lights Out, directed by a lovely lady named Tanya Mast. You may notice the last name. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, rhymes with Mast, which is my last name. <laughs> Love you, honey. Uh, shameless plug. Um, the Woken, directed by uh, Hunter Abarca, who actually goes to DSU. Uh, Other Corners, directed by Sarah Estridge. Purgatory, directed by Spencer Murray. Uh, Playthings, directed by Colby K. I'm not even going to uh, attempt to pronounce his last name, but I love you, Colby. You're amazing. Uh, Sleep Number, directed by Emily Ray. Cave Dweller, directed by Dan Bringhurst. Sueno, or Suenos, I do not speak Spanish, directed by Caleb Hatton, uh, uncompromising, phenomenal artist, great photographer also. Um, Adrian, directed by Jason Paws. He's a first-timer for Gorilla. Uh, Mundane, directed by, gosh, there's so many movies. Mundane, <laughs> directed by Ethan Reinholdt. He's a newbie. Uh, he's made kind of a, well, you'll see, you've seen it. You, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, AMSR Chess Analysis, uh, that was directed by Jeremiah Holt. Bloody Marys, directed by Christian Navarrete. Sweet Dreams, directed by Gene Jones, whom you, you know very well. Yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, Infirm, and I'm going to drop the ball on this. It's, it's got multiple directors, so I'm not going to name them all here. Uh, Two Flowers, directed by Sean Lebrecht, who's a veteran. He's made, made several films. And we had, I don't want to mispronounce this, uh, the name of this film either, uh, Baktun, mm-hmm. uh, directed by Shane Stewart. So there you have it. 28 films, uh, 28 teams, put it all out online, finish these movies, these movies with very little resources. <laughs> and again, you've seen them all. So you know, you know what goes into this stuff. I, and I want to just share with everybody, I, again, I had a great, great time watching these. Um, and they live up to Horror Fest. I, I want everybody to know they, they have... They've explored tropes. They've explored originality. Uh, you're going to see a wide Range. array of and stuff. And I, I did want to bring that leading out. I did want to bring up. It's very interesting that not all of these, we should mention, not all these films are horror. There's a lot of comedies in the mix. There's mm-hmm. some trippy, surreal, dreamy, Halloween dreamy type things going on. Some some really, really well done, some really well done stuff. And it's for a PG-13. There's, there's nothing in the mix that's our. I love edgy. We always welcome edgy. In fact, we may moving forward may even do some where I, I don't like to to put a stranglehold on anyone's creativity. Right. But you know, I also recognize this is St. George, and right. you know, you don't want to go too crazy all the time. But we love it, and I, I can't say enough enough nice things about you and the entire community. Like the, I love the arts. Love right. it. And back at you. And uh, unfortunately, we are out of time Dang at this it. point. Can we do a uh, two-hour show? <laughs> is that I would love it. FMASU. Do I have that correct? FMASU. You're one of the few people that it doesn't roll off the tongue. Exactly. You can just say Film and Media Alliance of Southern Utah. <laughs> we are trying to do just cool things for the film community and just trying to you know, embrace and create this really cool family and network of storytellers. Well, we certainly do invite everybody to join us for the Gorilla Fest, the Horror Fest, coming this Saturday. Uh, it's only $10, and Megaplex it is a great, is great Street event. Cinema. Megaplex, Main Street. And we hope that until And the Hardings we... are going to be there. <laughs> we'll be there. We'll be judging. Uh, we hope that we'll see you there. And until then, we hope you keep your focus on the arts.